Hello, everyone. You're tuning in to Doth Protest, and uh, we have Kyle Tomlin back with us, as well as James Rickenbaker, and this is Drew, and this is, of course, as you'll be listening to this, it, if you listen to it when it first comes out, it'll be Reformation Day, or the day before, if I decide to publish uh, it then, which I may, um, or whenever you're listening to this, this is a reformationally themed episode, but this is also a reformationally themed podcast, so that shouldn't be a surprise. But today we're going to look at, um, we're going to go around and compare and contrast um, the two main movies made about Martin Luther. Um, there has not been a whole lot out there brought attention be besides uh, one study, which I'll get into later, which I did discover. But um, there's there's been, Luther has been in a lot of films, a lot of movies, um, more definitely more so than like any other figure of the Reformation. And of course, his story uh, definitely lends itself to that. So um, we're kind of going to go, uh, we're just going to discuss um, the, the two main movies that one was made in 1953, one was made in 2003. And um, James, Kyle and I are going to talk about which of those two we, we prefer, but you know, things we may have liked about both of them or each one of them. Um, and then through some internet research uh, I've done recently, I've discovered there's been uh, lots of movies uh, made about Martin Luther. And um, I've actually did see one of the, one of the lesser known ones, which I'll get into later, but I'll just kind of go through the list of ones I've discovered. Um, but we'll do that later on. And uh, we, there's also been a lot of documentaries, but we're not going to um, talk about those just because we'd be here um, for like, hours because <laughs> that's also just a whole list because it seems like every several years there is one especially if there's like a reformation anniversary and whatnot and so uh we, we won't be uh, documentaries won't be on the table today we're not discussing those so james and kyle how are y'all doing um i'm i'm doing well um yeah uh, life is busy uh, october has been exceedingly busy um I'm glad to see the end of October for many reasons, probably chief among them is uh, we get to celebrate the Reformation tomorrow, or uh, as people have been carping online, um, the Reformation didn't start in 1517, um, although the date that folks tend to um, trot out is June 25th, which that's the signing of the Augsburg Confession in 1530, which the Reformation was you know already very clearly established by then so i'm gonna stick with october 31st yeah well th thanks for having me back on the podcast great to be with you guys and um i kind of echo james's situation just been a busy fall but i'm happy for uh the end of october as well always uh love reformation day and always love or to some candy tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> you you cut out a second there what was it about passing was it candy or passing out were you talking about oh, i i said i'm always looking forward to eating some candy and tomorrow <laughs> oh okay <laughs> well we did our trunk or we did a trunk or treat at the church yesterday which we had a real good turnout for and um uh it was really cool to see and fun and um uh i still have lots of candy so i suppose and i'm just not a big sweet tooth my wife is but she's not going to eat all that. And so I have a feeling we'll be, um, 
we'll be passing out candy tomorrow too. And then when it's gone, shops closed. We're turning the porch lights off. Um, but from what I hear, this will be the first Halloween that we're in this house. We're in this neighborhood, and I guess there, from what I've heard, there's lots of kids that come in our neighborhood. So, uh, but yes, of course, um, the greater day uh, over Halloween is is Reformation Day tomorrow, and um. You know, in Episcopal churches, I just don't, I don't know if it <laughs> is Reformation Day a deal at all in any of the, so it's uh, even with such a, which with such reformational heritage as the Anglican tradition has, I, I think that's kind of, we don't really have a Reformation Day so much like perhaps the Lutheran church and perhaps some other reformational churches, but outside of commemorative feasts for reformers like Cramner and Ridley and whatnot, but so um, you both actually just watched, uh, uh, and James, you said you watched for the first time both the 1953 and 2003 film versions, which right. surprised me, actually. I'm, I, uh, I had figured for sure you would have seen one of them, but um, what was your... I didn't even know the 1953 one existed before uh, we talked about doing this this episode. I, I knew about, we, we already owned the 2003 one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, uh, I mean, like it actually, not only was it, um, put together, uh, by the, the Lutheran church, but it also actually received like Oscar nominations and stuff. It Um, did. I, I, it got two Oscar nominations. I don't know if it won those, but, um, I had it in my notes. I think it was, yeah, cinematography and art direction, which I could definitely see. Uh, it's it's a black and white film, nineteen fifty three. Um, and which of the two, James, did you like the the most, and why? Of the because you both you saw both of them very recently, like in the past several days, and they were and uh, it was in, for the first in the time past, in the past twenty four hours. Um, the past twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah, I, I I went ahead and binged both of them. Today's my day off, so it works out well. Um, which is funny because sometimes on days off, I don't like to even do church related like <laughs> whether it's books or I'm like a, I'll watch or read something totally different. I'm kind of breaking my own rule with this is Monday's my day off too. And we're doing a religious podcast, but anyways, I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I started the day by reading Calvin's institutes and scripture and uh, then moved on to, um, you know, the two movies about Luther. So, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd in that way, I guess. And that's perfectly okay. Um, but I would say, that of the two, I really liked them both, mm-hmm. but I I preferred the Josephine's two thousand three. Okay, uh, and I know that that uh, Drew, you and I disagree about this because we've talked about it before. Um, but uh, to quote a famous person, "Here I stand; I can do no other." You feel that strongly about it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I say that I like them both, by the way. But uh, yes, but you, right, you, right, you, right. you uh, revealed what I'll. Yeah, but my favorite one is the fifty. Oh, see, I, I you know you got to <laughs> cut that out of the episode so that uh, uh, so that you, you they don't get a sense before you do the big reveal. I'm not. But, it's not a big reveal. Yeah. Um. But yeah. What? Um. So so what I will say is this. I. I feel like the character development in the 2003 version was better. I felt like um, especially two very, very important people in the life of Martin Luther were portrayed in a more sympathetic, more helpful fashion in the 2003 movie. And that's 
von Staupitz and Katarina von Bora. I felt like both of them were done a, a great service in the second movie of the, the 2003 movie because of um, how well they portrayed. I thought Joseph Fiennes did a very good job as Luther, someone who had the courage of his convictions. Um, part of my sort of trying to figure out which one I thought was better um, also has to do with the fact that, you know, when, when I was watching the, uh, the 1953 one um it is very 1950s in in the style of acting um and so what was you know traditional and um and well done in the 50s might be considered to a certain extent just a tiny bit of overacting today so like when um when uh Niall I don't remember what his last name is the guy that played Luther uh, uh mcginnis so yeah something like that um when An Irish he, guy playing luther right course, joseph fines is uh well he's british so i mean he's, he's british yeah <laughs> right well you know uh, any any uh any good guys in film are always portrayed by the brits right um but but unless uh, it's star wars then it's all the villains that's true <laughs> very 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 well said very well said um but uh at the the diet of worms um where um, where Luther is standing up and giving his famous speech that he probably didn't give. Here I stand, I, I, I can do no other, but you get the point. You know, when he says, my conscience is captive to the word of God, which of course Luther did say, he's shaking and you can almost see his jowls, you know, moving uh, because of how um, how intensely he was trying to portray Luther. And that kind of transported me out of it a little bit, to be completely honest. But um, but I thought that overall, both of them were very, very well done. And I'm being a bit pedantic um, um, to even go that far. But but yeah, no, so I would no, say that's that... a good analysis. I wouldn't say it's pedantic. I actually had a similar but ultimately differing because that made an impression on me too. that scene at Verms in the 53. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but I'm sorry. Go. What were you? Um... Well, I, I was uh, yeah, I mean, I was pretty much done. I, I just, uh, I, I felt like both were very well done. Both were very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. um, both made me uh, want to um, go read the bondage of the will and, uh, um, and things like that again. Oh, I did like the portrayal in the 53 of Erasmus. The fact that he was there in that one was good. Um, and he was not present in the 2003, but, um, the 53, I think, took less dramatic license and tried its best to stick to the, the historical words of Luther, um, which was, uh, I thought, fantastic. But because of that, it was a little harder to see some of the character development, because when Luther is recounting all of the things that he said, he wasn't, you know, recounting the love story with Katarina von Bora or um, even to any real extent the the level of influence that von Staupitz had mm -hmm. in his life. I mean, of course, you can see it in Luther's writings, but but it's not it's not quite to the level as portrayed in the in the 2003. But the fact that it was, you know, sponsored by and produced by the Lutheran Church, uh, I thought was um, really cool. And I thought that was certainly why it was so faithful to the to the historical narrative. Yeah, the. Um... <laughs> 
the attention it pay it paid to the the 53 version that it paid to the historical detail as well as i think i thought got got more of the theological what was at stake theologically was more mm-hmm. dealt with and i think in a in a a, a less post christendom age is when when maybe the fines film was made um i think that's that, that attention to history and theology in the 53 one is i think is due and this is one of the reasons I it, I find it preferable to the other, to Theodore Tappert and Yaroslav Pelikan were uh, consultants yeah. for the movie. So yeah, oh, cool. Wait, yeah, I know I noticed that as well in the credits in the beginning. Yeah, that, no, that's that's very cool, and that certainly would explain why it was very faithful. Yeah, and of course that was at the height of um translating luther's works into english for the first mm-hmm. time so it's kind of um it's kind of a i don't know if I'd say a time capsule but the movie kind of comes from that era of kind of a post-war i mean the churches are growing um across the united states um there there's there's this kind of interest in in the uh the, the christian faith christian figures portrayed in film especially epic films, not that the Luther movie of 53 was an epic film, but but you, you saw a whole bunch in the 50s um, after like several decades of not seeing that too, just kind of a kind of a side note, how how we can kind of fit that 50s version of Luther into broader cinematic uh, film history. I just, it's kind of an interesting point, but, but yeah, I think I do like the attention, going back to my main point, I do like the attention it gives to the history and theology. Um, it did have historical inaccuracies, the 53, uh, just as the 2003 one did. Um, sure. I think if you go to the wiki page for each film, they have they have a whole section on historical inaccuracies. Uh, uh, in my For both films, I think uh, the inaccuracies were so, I don't know, minor. They didn't, um, they, they weren't um, egregious or anything. I mean, it was, it was right. just kind of, oh, yeah. this this person actually uh, didn't meet him until 1526 versus 1523, something minute, like minor like that. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like an example was um, uh, Spalatin. There's no indication when Luther met Spalatin, but both movies said that they met in law school. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't, the, wasn't the case. <clears throat> Well, um, at least, at least, I, don't, I mean, maybe it was the case, but I don't think there's good evidence to say where they met. They just became friends, and Spallison, of course, became an important yeah. reformer with Luther. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of uh, where both of you guys are. I think that both of the movies were great. I, I hadn't seen the Joseph Fiennes one probably for about 15 years or so. So it was like a brand new movie watching it over again. And I had actually never seen the 1950s one. Um, so that was completely new for me. And I'm split down the middle with the two of them. I, I think that there were really strong things about both of them. And then there were things that I, you know, I saw a lot of artistic license in what they were doing. And that mm-hmm. put me off a little bit on some of them. But um, I probably would give the slight edge to the 1950s one. Um, just because it was trying very hard to sort of stick to the theological aspect of it but that said and james is shaking his head no in disagreement with me for shame um, for shame you're supposed yeah. to be the tiebreaker <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> well i guess i did break the tie 
<laughs> yeah, right. he's doing exactly what you wanted him to do. <laughs> That's right. So, um, I, I, you know, I do give it a slight edge. I think that I appreciated the fact that they were very much trying to adhere to the to the theology and use as much of Luther's direct material in the film, whereas they took a lot of license with the later one. Although they did it in creative ways in the later one, um, you know, the scene where the uh, where the the young man commits suicide in the uh, Joseph Fine's version, the the two thousand three one, and then Luther comes down and gives a whole big speech about how those who commit suicide are not damned by God and um, buries him and uh, gives him the absolution when he bar- buries him, which is a very powerful scene, right? Mm-hmm. A very strong thing. I thought to myself. That sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't really remember Luther doing that. And then it occurred to me that where that actually comes from is Luther's letters of spiritual counsel. Hmm. So in Luther's letters of spiritual counsel, he addresses the issue of um, suicide, consoling someone who had lost a loved one in suicide. Um, So I think they were playing with that idea and just creating a scene uh, to, you know, sort of drag that in because you can't just have Luther write, read a letter that he's written to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some creative stuff there that I think was good, um, that did try to capture very much Luther's theology. I did appreciate going back to what you're talking about with that scene at Worms with the, um, you know, in the 1950s movie, he looks like he's about to burst the blood vessel. He's getting <laughs> so like tense over that, you know, that moment. Right. And, um, and there is something powerful to doing it in that way, right? I can see where, where that can be very touching. Although I think from what I've read uh, of Luther that when he was questioned there, he actually approached it more like the Joseph Fines way mm-hmm. that he was, I, I seem to remember reading the detail that um, people found him inaudible when he was there, that he was actually you know, on the quieter side of speaking. And then um, that was captured very well with the Joseph Fines one. So, yeah, I, where, I split down the middle with it. Where, I, um, where, where, where did you read? I'm just curious about the source of them. Um, obviously, it had been like a witness or someone who talked secondhandedly, perhaps to someone who was present. I'm just wondering. Um, yeah, that's always a good question because I read. I'm not trying to I like. Don't remember where i've written yeah i'm not trying to challenge you i'm just yeah i'm generally genuinely curious because um yeah i'd never come across that but i'm curious you know where it might have been so it could have been in the heiko oberman book uh okay um luther man Man between god and the devil it could have been in there um and then the other one the other well, it could also have been in Gymnastigan's short bio of Luther. That might have been one source where I read it. Which I still well. need to read. I think you brought that short book up way back when we did the Gymnastigan episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was the Martin Luther, A Life. That might have been the one. Um, yeah. So one of those two ones seems to, if, if I'm digging back in my brain, one of those two ones might have been where I actually heard that before but um Kyle, you you spoke a moment ago about um luther's letters of spiritual counsel and i remember reading a quote from luther and i don't know if it was from 
because he may have addressed suicide more than once. But for more, he did it in the table talks too. In the table, so it was either letters, spiritual counsel, or table talks, um, where he he described what happens at suicide is um, when the person um, takes their life. What they're doing, they're it, what they're doing is it's completely. Luther described it as the like the devil's taking their hands and doing that. That it's not that person's will to do that. That they're right. they've been overcome and it's terrible and it's tragic. But he's trying to to show how, um, you know, that the devil had 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 the power in that situation. It was not that person's. I don't want to say it's not that person's fault, but you know what I mean. It was it was a try rather than. Um, in immediate judgment or condemnation, he tried to see how how that person was so lost in the grief or whatever it was that was just tormenting them and weighing on them um, that he yeah. he attributed it not to the person but to evil and so on to the devil. And so I just when I, I yeah. always found that is a very consoling thing to. It's a very yeah. tough subject. I I didn't think we'd be veering down this road in this yeah. episode, but but it is in that movie, and I think that was perhaps the the two thousand three movie where. Uh, the young boy killed himself and, and Luther, you know, gives him a proper burial. And I think that was probably, you know, them taking, yeah, like you said, taking creative license to show Luther's how he pastorally dealt with suicide in a very good way. Um, rather than just filming him write a letter to someone. Uh, it's hard. Yeah. Like, there's not many movies made of theologians because most theologians just sit down and think and write. Right, exciting. Right. So many theologians' works are. I mean, you know, I a lot of them you couldn't really do movies on. I mean, C.S. Lewis. There's been movies made about him, but yeah. uh, but but you know, there's it's just, there's not a lot of theologians where they certainly no reformers outside of. Right. I mean, maybe maybe Cramner. That would be. I mean, we've there's been lots of things about the shows and movies on the two doors, and Cramner appears in a lot of them. So that would maybe be up there too, as, an, as far as an exciting, engaging show or movie. But most of the reformers and a lot of theologians, yeah, it's it's kind of just um, you know, it's it's their thinking and writing, and it's just how it is. Yeah. By the way, uh, in Martin Luther Life, the Gymnastican book, um, he says. About at the deed of Worms, he says, so he spoke softly but confidently, so quietly that some had difficulty hearing him, indicating that, yes, the books were his, but that God's word was at stake here, and he needed some time to consider. Oh, thank you. Brain, you didn't fail me. <laughs> <laughs> and what's his footnote for that? <laughs> uh, he he doesn't footnote it, but uh, Kyle footnoted it by mentioning the book. So we'll okay. <laughs> were you there? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, but uh, you also have to realize that uh, in Jim's book, he's got pictures from the 2003 movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So, well, yeah. Um, what I so uh, what I did like about what I would have liked, I'll put it this way about the, the 2003 version is how the 2003 version well, finds in McGinnis give two very different portrayals, but I mm -hmm. think they're both, they both, I think genuinely uh, were striving to um, be accurate in how they portrayed this man yeah. lived in, 
and 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 they're they're both trying to to get Luther right and to be tr- true and faithful to who Luther was. And I noticed in the fines, but like the, the 2003 version explored Luther's anxieties and fears, I think more, but I just didn't know how, I didn't think it was ultimately executed that well. I mean, for, for me speaking, cause when I watched, like there's a couple scenes where uh, this, this 2003 version, there's a couple scenes where Joseph finds or Luther, he's, he's in his, um, he's in his cell, like his monastic cell or his room. And he's, mm-hmm. and he's having like spiritual torm toy. He's having these sessions of fighting with the devil and he's verbally, he's having these verbal outbursts. He's yelling at something else. It's like, there's something else there in the room. Um, and it just wasn't, I, I remember like, I, I, I showed this movie one time to, to some, um, ninth grade level, they were doing confirmation and like, they were like confused about that. And I don't think it was like their, like, I think the movie didn't really present what was going on there. It just kind of, it looked more, is he have a psychological thing, neurotic, like what, what's going on? It it didn't like, it didn't capture what is, was very much a real thing in Luther's life. Like the Oberman book we mentioned earlier ago where luther had a very strong pervasive sense of the devil um in his life um and of course oberman would argue that was that was kind of uh that was balanced with his sense of of god's presence in his life too um but i just don't know that if the 2003 movie and those scenes where they tried to show that side of luther and the 53 version didn't really approach it at all but the later one i just didn't feel like it, it did a good job at it but that was yeah i'm with you on that i'm those those scenes struck me that same way i felt like there there was something strange about him it almost like he was uh like he was possessed or Mm -hmm. like he was having some sort of psychotic episode because he was doing a lot of stammering and throwing himself against the wall and um and it's just I don't know, it's at least not the picture that I've come away with from the wrestlings that Luther has had, which were very real wrestlings. Mm-hmm. I do think they missed a golden opportunity because, you know, what Luther's really famous for in those episodes with the with his wrestlings with the devil was um, was saying, you know, be gone. I am baptized. Mm-hmm. And and in both of those, they failed to do that. You know, they didn't didn't take him to that point, which I think would have at least had some nice historicity to it. Well, and one thing, not and I don't mean to harp on the 2003 version, but it did seem more. You could tell it was made in a, it was. It just seemed less <laughs> religious. I don't know. Is that the right term? It did, some people like some critics of an analyst of the movie, and they weren't saying this in a good or bad way. They were saying like like Fines kind of played like a. Think someone as far went as far as to say Fines played like a like a Marxist Luther in the sense of like, um, there there was it was definitely about like there's a, a the struggle between the the maybe this the I don't want to say class struggle but kind of the opposition of have and have nots and ruling oppressors and the oppressed was definitely there was more of the, that um, accent to the way the um the luther and his cause there i mean obviously they they're fair with showing him how he he thought the peasants went too far but um but also well we can get into that later because but it it just kind of it it kind of like was more of a 
secularized. It was a little bit more secularized to me, the 2003 version. And I get it. Like the one made in the fifties, the fifties was a different time. And um, it was, there was much more, a lot more Christian audiences, I guess that, I don't know. What do y'all think of that? I, I would yeah. say, go ahead, Kyle. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. So I, I would say first, um, I actually agree with both of y'all's critique about the the sort of fighting with the devil in the cell in the 2003 movie. I think some of that could be consonant uh, consonant with what Luther would uh, refer to as anfectung that he would experience in his life. Um, and you know, so so it it kind of it kind of transported me out of the movie a little bit because you're right. I mean, he he actually it looks more like a mental health crisis than it does yeah. a legitimate like wrestling with the devil. Yeah. But um where I would say that I I thought that um you know, I thought both movies had a very strong um Christian influence as you would hope, mm-hmm. but where I thought the 2003 movie um presented luther at his most visceral and perhaps even most faithful is the scene where von staupitz comes into the cell after luther's had an episode and luther asks that you know great question how can i find a gracious god i think he said how can i find a merciful god and von staupitz says to him he takes off his crucifix and hands it to him and 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 says basically you find him in jesus Mm -hmm. yeah and that's an actual, I'm pretty sure that's an actual interaction that Luther had with von Staupitz. And yeah. that is something that I think was, was beautifully well done. And that's what sucked me right back in after the mental health episode um, type thing. But um, I can see where, so like uh, another great example of, of where the, um, the possible analogy with Marx could come in was when Luther was teaching and was cracking jokes about, you know, how 18 of the 12 disciples were buried in Spain and, um, and uh, you know, uh, there were enough nails uh, that, that crucified Jesus to shoe all of the horses in Saxony. Yeah. Um, you know, the right. kind of, the kind of, um, well, really just poking fun at Roman, um, mythology i mean to be completely honest um that is a that is a something the cult of relics yeah right right the cult of relics um i mean i i guess it's not necessarily fair to call it roman mythology but there is a mythological piece to it oh Um, for sure yeah yeah, I just didn't yeah. want people start thinking about Hercules. I'm just kidding. Right, right, right. No, 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 fair, fair point. Fair point. I mean, words <laughs> words matter, so that's that's helpful. But um, but so I can see where you know the sort of deconstruction of uh, of of Rome's cult of relics and Rome's um, belief in things like the treasury of merit might be something that you could sort of create an analog between that and Marx. But that's also quintessential luther i mean that that is exactly what luther was doing yeah yeah for sure you know what i think it is i think it was a it was a tiny detail that sort of lent it in that direction of of seeming like a little bit more of a marxist luther and the tiny detail was in the preaching and the, the way that he preached and taught so um 
in the 1950s movie, they had Luther in the pulpit, which as far as I understand, Luther always stayed in the pulpit. But in the in the 2003 one, they have him down in the congregation, like a modern day, you know, sort of evangelical, um, non-denominationalist type church where, you know, somebody comes out and just sort of freely wanders in the yeah. congregation. Right. And uh, and then he did the same thing with teaching. And I imagine I no historical backing for this. I'm taking a shot here, but I would imagine that probably the tendency at the time was to stay a little bit more behind the lectern, maybe do a little bit of pacing side to side, but not mm -hmm. necessarily come out. And I think when he was coming out and interacting with people, that to me gave me that feeling of like a more Marxist populist Luther. Yeah. Or that, or just like the hip, cool, um, you know, pastor. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. not a stuffy stuff. Not like those stuffy, uh, uh, other clergy. Uh, this right. is the reformation. This is a new thing. Uh, it is right. literally time, impossible to, time to get to out of the, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> it is literally impossible to be the hip, cool pastor with as horrible a tonsure as Luther had. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, there's nothing hip or cool about that. That just looked ridiculous. No. But the Lord, the Lord is giving me a natural tonsure. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um yeah, I so I mean ultimately I think I think McGinnis and Fines both did did very different but good um good efforts in, at portraying uh the reformer. Um I guess I don't you know, don't want to go I don't really have the, I don't really have any many more quibbles with it. I overall enjoyed it. I I first watched the 2003 <laughs> film um, in 20, well, I was in seminary and I remember they had it in the seminary library and I remember checking it out one day and I watched it in my dorm and, uh, was surprised. I will say, I, I thought it was surprisingly good because I hadn't seen it before. And I know religious movies in general can be hit or miss. And, right. um, so I was, I, you know, I really liked it. Um, and I saw the 53 version I think it was on like Netflix in like 2011 and I was mm. like, like in this is what I was, I remember watching it in the apartment I lived in at the time at that point in my life. And, um, and which, and this is before this so was interesting. This, this is before I, you know, became a, so interested in Luther and, I mean, way before I started this podcast about the Reformation, <laughs> I mean, this is like, I was in middle of college. I, was very involved with the Episcopal Church, uh, local Episcopal Church where I was in, in the, my hometown, and was was starting to think about going to seminary. That was it. It was before I had my own tower moment of reading Luther for it, in, intimately for the first time beyond small catechism or anything. And but even then, when I watched that movie, I was like, "Wow!" I was I was really I was really moved by it. Uh, the fifty three version. So, um, and I've watched each of them kind of since. Uh, I I do th but yeah I mean ultimately I guess I I side with the I 53 version I I like more um so you know I actually rated any of you go on Letterbox which is a app for movies no <laughs> it's like an app it's like a social media app I like follow like three people on there and I have a couple of my friends that follow but but I, you go on there you can rate movies it's kind of like if you had a Rotten Tomatoes account and oh. anyways I gave 53 Luther four and a half out of five stars. And I gave 2003 Luther three and a half out of five stars, both meaning good. 
but um three and a half out of five stars is terrible drew that's actually that's not terrible. terrible there's lots of good movies that i would put that's a failing grade drew that's actually not a failing grade that would be two and a half or below in, in my <laughs> in my book it's a failing grade see c's good degrees well um, yeah but um yeah but in overall and i think think the reason i just think yeah that historical and theological detail is good and um, I really do think the 50, the 2003 one, um, the indulgent controversy was the only time it really touched on theology. And, and it's hard. Again, you can't, can you really do movies about not only about theologians, but can you do movies where you tackle theology? You have to be really mm-hmm. creative about how yeah. you approach and go about that. So, I mean, I, yeah. I recognize, you know, it's how, you know, overall, I still think 2003 version was a good movie. Um, it's, um, they're both good in their own right for different reasons. Yeah, I think I think uh, credit has to go to uh, Alfred Molina, Doctor Octopus, mm. for um, for his portrayal of uh, John Tetzel. Um, oh, I thought that I thought that he did a pretty good job. I mean, like there was, was that him. I don't. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, that was Doctor. I thought he did a pretty good job overall with that, and of course, he you know accurately quoted um, every time. What is it? Every time, uh, uh, I can't get it now. Every time the the, co- the coin in the coffer rings, a soul from there purgatory springs. Right. Yes, I couldn't get the word rings. I had everything. I'm thinking, what was the word? Yeah, that was yeah. What? Watch this one, Drew. Uh, that's that's Alfred Molina who played Doc Ock in the worst of the Spider-Man movies. Oh no! Let's well, not go down. Spider-Man <laughs> Three was actually. Yes, Spider-Man yeah, Three was. That's that's like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I mean, he's bad. I mean, um, I, w- yeah, I, I wouldn't agree. go that far. But <laughs> <laughs> of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans, that was definitely. Tobey Maguire was a geriatric Spider-Man trying to play a, a high schooler. <laughs> but anyways, back. To I'm this. not going to say anything. We're going to go off. Well, <laughs> speaking of 2003 Luther, that was actually the last movie for the British actor. I always mispronounce his name. I think it was P- Sir Peter Ustinov. Um, oh, he'd been in a lot of. I mean, check him out sometime. He's been in all kinds of. I mean, the uh, Spartacus, Death on the Nile. He'd been in all kinds of movies for decades. Uh, class, oh yeah, he played. Uh, he, he played um, Electric Frederick. Yep, he played Electric Fred, and he actually stole oh, okay. the show. I think it, that was the best portrayal, personally speaking. Um, when I went over the 2003 movie, the cast list. Mm-hmm. Someone Lars, I don't remember his last name, played Melanchthon. I'm drawing a blank. I don't remember Melanchthon at all in 2003 version. Where did he show up? He showed he's... up only once. Okay, because yeah. I like totally didn't even remember him in that. It was when um so uh it was when um Karlstadt was already starting to basically foment dissent in Wittenberg. Mm-hmm. And then he and uh, Melanchthon were walking down the stairs, and then Karlstadt, you know, basically threatened him. It was like, "Get on board, or or you're going to be killed with the rest of them," kind of thing. Yeah, and then he he did show up uh, two more times uh, with the final scene where he comes running down to tell Luther and Katie von Bora that the Augsburg Confession, oh, I, the Emperor stood up. That was that him. was him. Yeah, and then okay. he was present with the Augsburg Confession um interaction yeah 
I thought the 53 version did a really good job with Melanchthon. I mean, I think he was more played more of a major part. I think he did. It just yeah. to be said without without debate, he it did have more of a major part in the yeah. first version versus the latter one. But I think just the way he that conciliar type of um oh you know the, what what some Lutherans criticized Melanchthon as being too squishy or whatever he 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 was that conciliar type of uh, um diplomatic type of person um in the fifty three version and I thought he was Definitely. the actor who, who the actor did that well yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Any other thoughts about? So one thing, and this I, I was, I wonder if you were thinking the same thing, y'all. I, the both versions, and then other versions of film versions of Luther. Almost uh, there has been nothing about later's or Luther's kind of mid career or his later career. And of course, mm-hmm. I guess the most dramatic moments are, you know, the start of the Reformation, or you know, the the what happens with you know Luther's early life, his nailing the ninety five theses, um, his debates with um, Eck and Cajetan, him going before the Diet of Worms, him being you know kidnapped for his own good and going to Wurtburg Castle, and then, um. But in it seems like in every film, most film versions, it's that's that's the scope of what is of the story. That's the scope of the movie. And granted, that is probably the most exciting parts of Luther's life. And then it's it's interestingly the two we're comparing the two main movies that they've done on Luther. It kind of ends there right after Vortberg. Um, they 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 show a glimpse of him as a married person, and then they both flash forward to showing the signing of the Augsburg Confession. But that's it. There's nothing so much about like the whole the the Ottoman Turk uh threat yeah. and how Luther dealt with that. I don't know how you if you could really even turn that and translate that into film too well, or even anything in his later life. Uh, which again, in in reading his works from those times, his commentaries are exciting, his table talks are exciting. But there's um so again, maybe I can't fault the people who've 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 um tried casting Luther on film because you know maybe that those later the last two decades of his life aren't as exciting granted but it's just interesting how no film has shown has really spent much time in, in Luther as a more mature man yeah I noticed that as well I think that um, uh, I think you could do some later Luther stuff well in a film um, certainly um, the Marburg colloquy I yes. think would would that be, would be yes you know there's there's definite stuff you could do there i think um um and the marburg well, colloquy for i mean this for for anyone listening i mean it's it's come up on the podcast a lot but you know the the great debate between luther and zwingli who was the other chief reformer of the reformation at the time coming from switzerland they had they agreed on so many things, but that's there's there such division between him and Luther on the Lord's Supper. And they had a pretty, it was a pretty dramatic uh, conference. That would have been, yeah, it would have been cool to yeah. see enacted, but, but I'm sorry, uh, Kyle, I cut you off. You were saying other examples you think or other of later. Yeah, I, the other thing I think like you could do something around the small called articles, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's some deep tension, political tension there that Luther sort of 
wading into a little bit. Um, I think you were right. You know, there's stuff you could do around the Turks. I do think you could do a scene that effectively would be the table talks, right? Mm -hmm. You could, you could have um, him around the table with his guests that lived in his house and show scenes of, you know, later paunchy, unhealthy Luther, you know, um, with his family. And the image I have, I have in my head, because this is what I've heard it was, he would, it would be like a beer hall mm-hmm. be around with Stein's foaming beer at the, then they'd just be like talking theology, but the, I don't know. It was like, it'd be like when, whenever you hang out and get in a fun conversation with anyone, I don't know. It'd be a, like today in a social setting <laughs> in a way. Yeah. I mean, I heard it was like a kind of a fun environment. And so that might've been cool to see on, film maybe they'll, maybe they'll do a series you can maybe you can do a series on luther i don't know <laughs> I think, that would well, be a it, good way to go yeah yeah <laughs> and i think you know to add to the mix um probably my favorite um part of of luther's life is the back and forth that he had with erasmus mm-hmm. because yeah. i think that um and that would be hard to portray right because it's mainly deep theological concerns that both of them had but um, but like Luther is at his funniest and at his meanest and mm-hmm. and, and uh, most visceral in that in in the bondage of the will. Uh, and, and go ahead. There was uh, it's funny you say that because there was a Yugoslavian movie made about Erasmus and Luther's debate that was an hour long, and I know oh, nothing wow. else about it. <laughs> so. Oh wow. It's been done before, but <laughs> saying something, seeing as Yugoslavia, is Yugoslavia, no yes, <laughs> and it's yeah, it's kind of random, um, right? But it is. That's great. I mean, the the Reformation did have a significant influence on you know the Eastern Bloc. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't remember yeah. what I was reading fairly recently, as Kyle was saying, and I'm sure you can empathize, Drew when I read stuff, it all ends up melding together. Yes. But, um, but I was reading something recently about um, like how Hungary um, was actually a, uh, a significant area for the Reformation until it was um, eventually suppressed. Basically it might've been um, Calvin for armchair theologians. Um, okay. Yeah. But anyways, it could also have been in the Dermot McCulloch Reformation book. That's no, that's absolutely that's exactly where it was. That's exactly okay. where it was. that's yep. the book you sent. You sent me a copy of that, James. Yes, I've never. I, did, I know yeah. it's, a, it's a big popular work on the Reformation done by a great historian. I've never actually read yeah. it. It's sitting on my shelf though. It is. Um, um, it is outstanding. I definitely recommend yeah. it. Oh, I do too. I second that. Yeah, it's a great book. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, y'all want to hear about some of these other Luther movies that I've <laughs> yeah, so, um, uh, the so the very first movie made on Martin Luther is from 1911, wow. Dr. Mar- Martinus Luther. Um, it is a German film, it's a lost film, it was 20 minutes long. Okay. That was, uh, I think, common for the 1910s. I mean, the first, from what I've gathered, the first full-length movie was uh, 
D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation, which was a very controversial movie. That's the movie where the 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 Klansmen are shown in a sympathetic light, and so it right. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> that was the first movie that was longer than you know. I don't even know. I feel like that was a really long movie. So when they when they said feature length, they they started out feature length really in a very long way. But um, so yeah. Anyways, nineteen eleven, Doctor Doctor Martin is Luther. It's a lost film. And then uh, and this is what uh, Bible Film Blog, and I'll put a link. Um, they did they did a little um, Luther movies one hundred and one, but they didn't do them all. They they touched on the two we just talked about, as well as a couple of the silent films. But this is what they say about that nineteen eleven version, or the person who wrote the article. It says, no known copies remain of this. The earliest film about Luther, which premiered in Berlin in 1911, and it was distributed by Deutsch Bioskop uh, Gesellschaft. It's 18 scenes running to about 20 minutes, emphasized his marriage and family life. Uh, interestingly, the publicity for the film was at pains to stress that the film was strictly objective, entirely free of attacks on members of other faiths, which suggests that Luther's critique of Catholicism might have been somewhat curtailed. I don't know. No calling of the Pope Antichrist, I would expect. No. Probably, yeah, no. probably not in there. Um, <clears throat> I don't think that was in the 2003 or 53 version even. No. <laughs> they're trying to be, they're trying to get it. So I found out the 53 version was 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 banned in Quebec, Canada. Um, and Protestant churches watched it in their basement that they, they smuggled the film in and watch it because <laughs> Quebec, right. you know, <laughs> so <laughs> 1913, um, the Wittenberg Nightingale, it was later retitled as Martin Luther, a portrait for the light of a German people. It was retitled that in the twenties as, you know, that whole idea of German people, I mean, a little bit, it lent itself to Nazism, but you know, it, there was that German solidarity. If you, you know, the history of Germany, 20th century, you know, that um, people really, that was on the consciousness of people. But anyways, this 1913 film is 21 minutes. Um, a guy named Rudolf Essek plays Luther. Um, it was his first film role. He went on to do many films all in Germany. His last movie was called the Rothschilds and it was an anti-Semitic film. We're going to see this anti-Semitism, unfortunately, show up a couple more times because some of these early Luther films were German-made. and uh, So that's all I could really find on it. It I didn't, I, I, and it's not lost, apparently, but I don't know where to watch it. Again, that's the second one, Wittenberg Nightingale. Um, and that's, of course, the English title. Um, Die Wittenberg Nacht. I don't know what it would be in German. <laughs> Nacht would be in it because that's night. Um, 1923 is the third one ever made. It's it's called Martin Luther. It's It's been released on DVD, though, as Martin Luther, His Life and Times. You can get it on Amazon on DVD. It's not streamable anywhere. And it's not on YouTube either. Some of these older films, some of them are public domain. You can get on YouTube. It's not on YouTube. But 1923. Um, so... Uh, from what I've read about it, it's kind of hagiographic. Um, the the so there's this book that I'm gonna um share. It's called it's by Esther Whipfler, W-I-P-F-L-E-R. Um, she's actually a German scholar, and she wrote a book called Martin Luther in Motion Pictures: History of a Metamorphosis. And she her argument in there, I think it's like a 
thesis, a doctoral thesis type thing. And uh, it's like theology meets analysis, I guess, film analysis. It's the only thing I, I've i seen from her. So I think it is like her dissertation or something. And it I you can get a, a book form of it for $8.99 on Amazon. Um, I haven't ordered it, but I really, um, I found out about it like five days ago and I couldn't have gotten it on time. There's no electronic version. Um, I know there is an electronic version, but the ebook's like $41, but I read parts of a sample and the parts <laughs> of the sample I gathered, uh, said this, uh, that, that, um, this 23 film Luther is kind of seen. There's this visual aesthetic parallel between Luther and Jesus. Like the way they portray Luther's birth is similar to like the Bethlehem scene. Um, wow. so <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's like that apparent like if it's like going it's not like blasphemous but it's just kind of showing like luther in the light of his lord i don't know maybe that's a good way to put it um it was shot on location a lot of the scenes so so vortberg castle some of uh they shot some of it there uh from what i read it's um the guy who played luther and that was carl uh wustenhagen or yeah wustenhagen um and um it's one of eight movies he was in all German silent films. I guess he was more of a stage actor. Um, it was based on a screenplay, this 23 version on a guy that the guy who wrote this. Well, the guy who originally wrote the screenplay for this was named um, Walter uh, Nittokstan. Um, and I'll put that in show notes. Um, he was uh, interesting. He was a pastor in Berlin who actively opposed world war one before it during it and after it um there's a biographical article of him um in german in in a in a magazine for church history which i'll put uh, a, a link in because you can freely access it and read the pdf but he kind of had an interesting life but but this this berlin pastor who opposed world war one but he wrote the screenplay for that movie so mm. uh any thoughts so far <laughs> i'm gonna try to like breeze through the rest of What's that? Just fascinating that there have been uh, there were so many Luther movies prior to the 1950s one. I mean, even even right. a handful seems like a lot. It does. Um, and again, they're all German made. So I think he was more. And this is kind of, this kind of first half of the 20th century. Germany's taking it's becoming more nationalistic. I mean, yeah. and mm-hmm. part of that part of it takes the form. You know, the fascism is one is kind of a manifestation of you had to have that backdrop in order to for fascist national socialism to make sense. But of course there's other right. things that, that, that became national. So, so there's a tragic, you know, there's, there's, a, there's that us looking back in hindsight. Now it's like, we can't help but notice that. And that's, that's a perfect segue into the next one, the fourth film version. And I've seen this one, this is uh 1928. It's a movie just called Luther. It's, it's the most known and most seen of the silent films. And it's the last mm. one actually they were actually doing sound by 1927 um but it was it was definitely was most the most i think like a real movie of any of the four um silent not that i've seen the other ones but it was like um actually was like a uh wasn't like a b movie it was like a it was like a not top notch but it was like a real production Mm -hmm. and i've seen it um at the time i it was there was a version of there was a copy it uploaded on youtube i'm not aware if that was legal or not 
but I did see it that way. Um, <laughs> I tried to look for it again in prep for this episode, didn't find it. Um, and and I I I left. Uh, I actually did leave a little review of it on Letterbox when I rated it. I gave it I think two or two and a half. It's interesting to watch. Um, I think visually it's kind of it's eye candy because it reminds me a little bit of um you know like the old douglas fairbanks robin hood and zorro this from the Mm -hmm. silent era and some of those um period pieces uh, was it it was really beautiful to watch it even had some of that german the german expressionism too you know um it kind of reminded me of some of those movies um but so but overall i just didn't think it was a good movie with that the visual kind of um it i it, i read reviews of it after because i sense like a nationalistic a very nationalistic you know this movie is for the german folk um you know the, the great people of germany and it just that was kind of eerie knowing it was 1928 and by that time hitler's active and you know so that that was kind of a, a again that's kind of creeping in the background, but I think it was much more in the foreground in this movie in this 1928 version. So, right. and the guy who played Luther was, uh, Eugene, uh, Klufer or Klufer. It's a O with an umlaut over it. K L O P F E R. He ended up, uh, working for Goebbels, um, later oh, on boy. in the thirties or forties. And he was actually, uh, put on this list, of approved actors and artists of Germany who represent the German spirit. Uh, it was a list Hitler mm. uh, uh, put together and well, he probably had Goebbels and it was put together and he approved it. It was like the Führer's list. So again, another eerie element of it. Um, but Klufer was, uh, yeah, he, um, he, he fell out of, you know, it, that haunted, that came to haunt him after, very understandably, after the war ended, um, he, he you know, with the denazification and everything. Um, and I guess he kind of went to stage acting and, but died in 1950, so not long after World War II. But, but yeah, he, um, he was uh, definitely, he, he was part of the propaganda machine. And it was an actor in, in a lot of Goebbels or a lot of the Nazi propaganda movies made in the 40s. Then we have 53, which we talked about. Um, then we got, so then we have 1960. The next was not till 1964. It's a movie just called Luther. It's Australian. I don't know anything about it beyond that. Then a year later, in 1965, you have a movie called Luther. It's British. I don't know anything about it beyond that. <laughs> in 1966, there's uh, Der Arme Mann Luther, which means the poor, poor man Luther. It's German. I don't know anything about it beyond that. You can look it up and you'll, they'll show the cast. But I was amazed at um, just so many of these, some of these movies and some of the ones I'm about to name off are just so obscure. So in 1968, this is the one, if I'm ever going to watch another Luther, which of course I would, but this is the one I would love to watch and I cannot find how to watch it anywhere. But it was like a BBC 1968 TV movie, Robert Shaw played martin luther huh. which doesn't that sound awesome yeah. james you know robert shaw right nope quint from jaws oh okay yeah yes right. yeah. <laughs> that's his most famous role but he's been in all kinds of stuff um he played martin luther and it was it was based on a the john osborne play 
but it was like a filmed adaptation. And okay. I, again, I, I cannot find a thing about this movie other than the basic cast and crew runtime and year. I can't find, co- see if you can get a copy of it where you can, wow. you can't stream it. But Shaw is like, in my opinion, Shaw is one of the greatest actors of all time. So, mm. uh, and I just, he kind of looks a little bit like Luth. I never would have put the two and two together, but when I saw that. Uh, <laughs> any of you seen the next one, 1974, the with uh, Stacy Keach played Luther? That's probably no. after the two main ones we've talked about. This is probably the most, I guess, the third most seen one, maybe. Okay. At the time, I think it was also based on the same play. Yeah, it was, it was. It was based on the same play that the 1960, the Robert Shaw one I just said that's obscure. Um, but yeah, I did watch this one, 1974. It's called Luther. Stacy Keach plays Luther, and I didn't care for it at all. It was, um, it was like a, it's kind of boring, and um, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> but yeah, it's very you watch it on YouTube. On YouTube, okay. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's called Luther, 1974. Uh, Stacy Keach plays him. Uh, then the next movie was 1976. This was the Yugoslavian movie that I brought up when James was talking about um, Erasmus and Luther. It's called Disput u Nuci, which means the dispute at night. And I might have mispronounced this Slovakian. I don't, or, or, or um, yeah, I can't. Yugoslavian. Yeah, but that's not their isn't, language, is it? Is it not? I don't I think know. It's I'm like displaying my ignorance. Is it Slovak? Okay. Well, that that's Czechoslovakia. They speak Czech and Slovak. And Slovak. Yeah. But um, I didn't know if there was a dialect that was Yugoslavian. Well, I mean, uh, Yugoslavia broke up into several different territories um, in the what was it the early nineties? I think right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But no. I, that uh that, that's um a little out of my wheelhouse just, i don't know any of those uh you know eastern european languages um the the next one 1981 is uh frere martin that's french for for brother right brother yeah so brother martin don't know anything about it um 1980 so they made three movies in 1983 west german he made a movie called martin luther East Germany made a movie called Martin Luther. And then there was a American slash British TV movie, which I watched over the weekend. It's on YouTube. It's called from 1983 called Martin Luther heretic. Forget the guy who played Luther, but it was only like 65 minutes or something like that. And it actually was, um, it was good, but it wasn't like an amazing movie or anything. It was made for TV. And at that time that, but it, it showed his um showed kind of his uh kind of tried to dive into his psyche a, a lot and it it mm. did a good job i guess at that his struggles luther you know the actor who played him but it was very fast paced they covered kind of that same you know from luther's um uh, his his beginning to beginning to question the beginning to has, to voice his questions to the you know reformation being officially established it was like they did that in an hour so um it was okay it wasn't like a bad movie but and then again that was called martin luther heretic uh and then we're almost done we have two more 
we'd have three more if we included Joseph Fiennes. But um, in 1984, there was another East German film called Martin Luther. And so this is the most bizarre one I've come across, perhaps. The it's in English, the title is Martin Luther and Thomas Munzer or the beginning of accounting. Uh, it is based on from what I've read, there's a Wikipedia article on the play it's based on, on Martin Luther and Thomas Munster or the beginning of accounting. It's about how Luther, if you want to talk about Marxists, this is probably the closest thing to an actual Marxist take on Luther, how Luther is funded by a capitalist and Thomas Munster is like the man for the people and um, how Luther was really just um, a friend sided with the oppressor for crushing the peasants. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And East German Germany made it so. <laughs> I mean, that makes total sense. East Germany would want to, uh, right. that being, you know, Soviet and communist. It was the most bizarre of all the versions that I've, and I have not watched it. Um, and at this point, I didn't even look to see if you you could see them. But um, later on, I might. Then there's the 2003 one. And then I don't know if any of y'all have heard of this in 2017. This is the last one. It's called Lutheran Eye. It's a movie about uh, Katarina von Bora. So, and it's uh, I, think, um, I think I remember that coming out. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a very modern movie made on you know it's very recent so that's uh that's all i didn't even i wasn't even keeping count i lost count after so many but that's a lot of luther movies and i'm just um i was sh kind of shocked as you were like i didn't know the extent of how many times luther's been portrayed on film but um a lot but you know i think there a lot of them were probably i think the two we've the two main ones we've discussed are are uh, the necessary ones, I think, that were done. And the other ones are, you know, this TV production here. They made this play into a film. These early silent films. I mean, some of those are actually very interesting to watch, but it's like, um, you know, so it's it's more just people that really have an interest in, in, uh, in nerding out on watching Luther movies. It would definitely be uh, of interest to them to go to watch all those there's a couple of those i definitely want and interested in looking farther but you know i don't need to see yeah. them all there might and there's a couple i probably probably i'll probably never be able to see so <laughs> yeah all right well uh uh cool guys i didn't uh mean for that list to take so long but it's yeah it's a quite a list so yeah no that was very interesting and i'm no awareness of how many luther movies there were short of the two that we <laughs> yeah. talked about right those are the two uh ones that are definitely would recommend to anyone um who's interested in martin luther at all um whether on film or whether i mean the those are they're, they're those are both good movies so yeah even if one's better than the other so yeah. Now we just need to like get somebody to do a uh, like chosen style Martin Luther series where you could, you know, flesh out yeah. more of his life and I mean, You want to get in touch with uh, with Dallas Jenkins. Dallas Jenkins, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like the show. The, we actually did like a chosen themed uh, Bible study. It was really just kind of watching clips of the movie and discussing mm -hmm. it. We did an evening series at our church about it. Then 
I I love that show. I don't know if I'd trust them with Luther. I don't know. It might like they might have. I would trust Dallas more than Jerry with Luther. (laughs) More than who? Dallas Jenkins is the son of Jerry Jenkins of fame. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) They would make they would make Luther look like a Baptist. Or millennial dispensationalist. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. Luther. Luther talking about the the rapture and giving your heart to Jesus. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's what it would be. <laughs> so <laughs> no, no no drinking beer either. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> he had no duels. Right. He yeah. Had no duels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fun to imagine though, Jerry Jenkins Luther show. But no, I think. <laughs> I mean, Dallas could be, I mean, he's, he, I think from what I've understood, he's, um, him or the, the people, maybe it's the angel production. They've, they've, there's been other things outside of like, uh, the chosen that they've, that have yeah, come out that I've heard good things recently. about. Sorry. They just did someone Abraham recently. Okay. Jesus revolution. I heard, I heard it was good, but I, mean, I haven't seen it, but yeah, I've heard it was good. Amen. Yeah. Same. Well, if they did, if they did do a Luther series, I think that they need to have Bob Kolb and John Pless be the consultants. Yes, that way, that way you get an accurate portrayal of Luther. Definitely, yeah. And um, that is a reminder uh, before we wrap up, listeners, stay tuned for our next episode because Bob Kolb is coming on the show, which uh, nice. we're so excited about. So, yeah. Um, anyways. Kyle James, uh, it was awesome as always. Kyle, would I have the love you have, have you on again? Um, and um, we'll let you know. I mean, it's it's always a pleasure. It's fun to have you on. So, thank you. Yeah, it's always fun to be on. I'm happy to come back anytime. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, take care and happy Reformation Day. And, and thank God for Martin Luther. <laughs> and thank God for Martin Luther. Amen. God bless.